This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to Grief Relief. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, good morning, Heidi. Uh, You're in New York. I'm in San Francisco. And our guest today is in McCall, Idaho. Our guest today is Jill Craft Thompson. She's the author of Finding Jill, How I Rebuilt My Life After Losing the Five People I Most Loved. Wow, Heidi, how she rebuilt her life. This is going to be an amazing show. I want to give you the story of what happened to Jill. Her 38-year-old husband, Bart, was working for a high-tech company who asked him to go to Italy for a year. So Jill agreed to move to Italy with Bart and the, his, their two children, Benjamin, age 6, and Samuel, age 4. While they were in Italy, a lot of family members came to visit them, of course, including Jill's mother, and her sister Jody, and Jody's daughter Sarah. The family decided to go on an outing in their van. Bart was driving. Jill was in the car with him. Jill's sister Jody, her niece Sarah, and her mother, and her son Benjamin and Samuel. While they were driving down the highway, they had an accident. A large truck hit them and destroyed their car, killing Bart, Benjamin, Samuel, Mom and niece, Sarah. Jill and Jody survived. And if you want to hear more about this, it's in Jill's book and very well stated. But that's how I want you to know what a trauma this woman has been through. Okay, Mom, so can I just back up for a minute and just to get it clear in my head? So what happened, it sounds like, was that Jill was in a van and with her family and the van was hit by a truck, and these are the people that died. Jill's husband, Bart, her two young sons, Benjamin and Samuel, her young niece, Sarah, and her mother all died, all five. And the only survivors were her sister, Jody, and herself. And they were very injured. And uh, But we don't want to spend too much time on this because this is an amazing story, and we want to give you all tips and ideas. I know Jill wants to do this, give you ideas how you can survive if you've had a traumatic loss. Well, Jill, welcome to our show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's great to have you on, and your story is so compelling. And, you know, not just the story of what happened, but what you did with it. I, I love, I was telling Heidi that you went to, uh, your kids were going to school um, in a, a Catholic school, and there was a monastery connected with it. And uh, Sister Carla, was that her name, actually went, walked you through this thing, including through the funeral in uh, Boise, right? Uh, she helped me quite a bit after um, after the accident. I was over in Italy uh, in the hospital for a few weeks. I'm not exactly sure the amount of time the accident happened, March 25th, 2002. And I believe the funeral in Boise was April 11th or 13th, somewhere around there, um, of the same year, obviously, we got back and I had about a day before the funeral occurred. Sister Carla flew back with me, and that was Benjamin's uh, first grade teacher. And luckily I had her support. 
my uh, brother and my oldest sister and her husband, a good friend, and Jody's good friend, they were all flown over to Italy uh, during our stay at the hospital by Micron Technology. When you came back, let me say, when you got back um, to Boise, you were not in good shape. You got infections in your leg, you were in a wheelchair, you know, all all sorts of things going on. I was definitely uh, in a lot of pain and, and had some challenges physically to overcome within the first year. Uh, the second year was more about my recovery process, and I and like you too, I would like to focus more on uh, the ability to overcome such a traumatic tragedy. We all have grief in our life, and we all have losses. And the more lifelines, the more the more of us that share our grief, the more lifelines there are out there for those in the depths of despair. And we appreciate you doing that. And I wanted to talk about a particularly painful thing. Um, after a year and six weeks, you overdosed on pills and alcohol, correct? Uh, it was actually just before. It was my um, it was February 13th of 2003. And I had just, uh, I had named my apparatus on my leg uh, that was on for one year. It was four halos and 17 pins. Um I had received, I had gotten it off the week prior to this, and uh, that particular night I had drank a bottle of wine. I went to take my sleeping pills, and at the time I had to take about five or six to sleep just two to three hours. Wow. And so when all, all 25 fell out into my hand, I looked in the mirror and just said, I'm done, used a few different words and slammed them into my mouth, swallowing all 25 with no water. At that time, I felt like it wasn't actually me doing that. It was um, maybe a dream, but I knew that if I was doing this, then I needed to finish it so that my friends and family would not worry anymore about me. And so I proceeded to... Jill, Jill, I can certainly understand after losing five of the most important people in your life, including, at that point, your only children and your husband, why you would want to join them, in a sense, and be so desperate that you would do something like this. I truly thought that God had made a mistake. I thought that I I should have died alongside of them. I was told multiple times by people how they had prayed for me to have passed also because they didn't they didn't want me to suffer so much. Um, oh my goodness, that's interesting. All five people, uh, but prior to the big accident, my dad was uh, getting his luggage to come stay with me uh, for two months, and and he had a stroke and fell off the ladder. So he was physically there, but he was more like a child and uh, not the strong father figure that I had growing up. So. It was um, it was a challenge to figure out how to get back get my feet back underneath me. If that makes sense. Uh, your suicide attempt was really a turning point for you. I wanted to say I, I had to smile when I was reading your book. Your book is delightful. In Thank you. Uh, all the talking about the Amalfi Coast and about Italy. I mean, there are all sorts of factions of this book. My story is about love. It's not necessarily about the the tragedy. I feel I had to smile when you told. What happened with your suicide attempt? You 
you were laying there and all of a sudden you thought, well, I've got to write a suicide note. And so you got up yeah. and started writing a suicide note and you've written enough. And then you thought, then you said to yourself, well, I'm going to call my friend because I, I'm tired of writing and I want to talk to her. So you called her up and told her. Well, I didn't tell her what I had done. I just, uh, I felt that I had left her name out and I didn't want to hurt her feelings. And so I called her just to let her know that I loved her. And I I was drunk, you know. I had I had mm-hmm. pills and, and a bottle of wine in me. And I, I was uh, running through my head, well, how do most people do this? I had never right. um, imagined that someone with my strong faith would ever attempt well, suicide. I love, I was laughing earlier because I love how empathic you are. Even at the end... When you thought you were ending your life, you wanted to do it right, and you wanted to make sure not to leave anybody out, which shows what a big heart you have. What I want to really know now is how did you rebuild your life after hitting rock bottom, after not even wanting to survive? How did you go to, about rebuilding your life? I think after my suicide attempt, I had to figure out, instead of focusing on the overall picture, I had to figure out how to focus on the exact moment. I wasn't able to plan for a full day, let alone a full week. Even an hour was overwhelming to me. And so what I started to do was write down a very lax lesson plan for my week. It included uh, lunch with my stepfather on Tuesdays and uh, my Monday evenings with my best friend, Kelly. At that time, I could always back out of it, but uh, it gave me a little purpose, something something to look towards. Mm-hmm. I also started, instead of letting the grief and the um, overwhelming tragedy take up my entire day, I started to set aside maybe an hour a day. Maybe it was two or three in the beginning But at that time, I knew, okay, my challenge during that hour or three hours, I need to figure out what tools I need to to put my life back into control and put my grief into control. The sadness of losing each one of those people uh, will never leave me. It's just like asking me not to love any of them anymore. I can never stop loving them. Just as much as I love them, I will never not be sad that I don't have them in my physical life right now. So I had to learn how to focus that energy and that time. Now, you had a wonderful therapist that worked with you, right? I do, um, or I did. She she is uh, still a part of my life and is more of a confidant, I guess, Uh but she helped me figure out what tools would work for me. She helped me organize my my grief. And uh, each holiday, each moment um, that a certain grief was overtaking me, she would give me ideas on how to tackle that particular day or that and particular grief. What were some ideas that she gave you that might be helpful for people out there that are listening? Were there any tools? Well, that- I, 
Yeah, I think that holidays are a big one, um, whether it's your first Christmas without them. I have a difficult time on every holiday currently, and it's almost 12 years later. And I believe that I probably will have that for the rest of my life. So for me, um, I need to acknowledge each person. I'm trying to think of my next um, big day is probably my father has passed. Uh, he passed a year and a half ago. And so his birthday is coming up here in March. And uh, when his birthday comes up, I will start to pray about it ahead of time and write. Um, I do love to journal and figure out a way to honor him on that particular day. And that gives me some kind of substance in a way uh, to get through that day. So then, then his loss doesn't overtake the entire day. Instead, I say, okay, Dad, this is what I love about you. This is what happiness you brought into my life, and thank you for being a part of it. And then, so honoring uh, the honoring the life. It sounds like yeah, those that have died. and and honoring your relationship with that particular person. And it's different for every birthday uh, for me. It's different every year. Um, I just I just try to feel my pain and try to understand uh, what that pain is trying how how it needs to get out this year. If that makes sense. And staying in touch with it, not trying to uh, to bury it. I know. Uh, now, now, tell me. Um, you uh, talked a little bit about when you were ready to have a, a new relationship. What was that? Or you were ready to open your heart to other people, or whatever. How long did that take? Um, it took quite a few years, I guess. Uh, for me, it was realizing how much I loved my best friend Kelly. That was a difficult thing because um, when you love someone. How do you allow yourself not to have that fear of losing them? She's the one that was willing to come to your house every Monday? Yeah. I love that in the book. She came every Monday. Uh, yeah, she had her husband and her three children. Uh, the twins were just babies, and and she's a person that I've known since third grade. Um, and she took her life and, and uh, made sure that, that I felt... Um, happiness again, I guess. And she gave me, she gave me that ability to think about loving another human being again. Uh, with that, I then uh, decided, okay, I, I'll, I'll try to get out there and start dating again. I prayed about it, and, and definitely Kelly and I and, and other friends and family, we all talked about it. Um, I thought maybe it would be too soon, and I started dating. Uh, I fell uh, head over heels in love with my current husband, John. Um, I met him on a Wednesday, April twenty seventh, two thousand and five, uh, and we got married April fifteenth of two thousand and six. So that'd be f- that'd be four years after the accident, just to, to yeah. give people some yeah. time frame. Seemed to me when I was looking at the book, reading the book, that you felt a, uh, starting to feel a little better after three years. I-, I wanted to mention one thing about John too. I was telling Heidi that when you met him, it turned out that he had a history of where someone had died in an accident that he was involved in, which uh, I loved what he said to you when you told him your story. He said, "You know that sucks." <laughs> I thought that was you know. 
Yeah. Oh, gosh. That pretty much sums it up. the best thing. (laughs) Yeah. At that time, I really didn't leave my house very often because uh, I didn't like the pitiful uh, sighs and and people crying. And uh, by the time I would get back to my house, I would just be devastated again because... uh, their shock and and uh, reaction would really be hard for me to take. And so uh, Sharon, my counselor, gave me a lot of tools, and we, we figured out sayings. And, and at that particular time, the night that I met John, I gave people three strikes and you're out. You give... You ask me if I have a husband or kids, and and I divert the question the second time. I divert it a little more strongly, and the third time I lay it on you. And uh, (laughs) it it would devastate people, rightly so. Um, But most people didn't know how to react. So John's reaction of that sucks was the best thing he could have ever said. It just made me giggle and, and... took the heaviness right off of my shoulders. And so you and John got married, and uh, John said to you one day, because he said he didn't care if you ever had kids, he said, I think we should have a child. Yeah, I was really shocked by that. We were in New York, actually, and having uh, dinner at an Indian restaurant, and there was a family behind me, and he was watching them, and then he leans over and he says, I think we need to start trying. And I look at him, and I'm like, trying for what? Not understanding what you're talking about. And he said, Jill, you have such wonderful stories of your two boys, Ben and Sam. And your life with them was so magical. I just think that you're meant to be a mom, and I want to experience that with you. And so I prayed about it, and and we talked more about it, and then we decided that that would be where we need to go. And now you have Franklin. Now I have a little boy named Franklin David Thompson, and he is just the light of my life. He is full of energy and keeps me young. He's uh, definitely knowledgeable um, beyond his years because of this, our situation. He, We all um, are connected as a family, the the my living current family, John and Franklin, and my past family, Bart, well, Ben, and Sam were a big family together, and that is was difficult to bring a child into. Well, that's what I love. I love when I, when I was on the internet and I read something about how Franklin talks about someday meeting his brothers in heaven or something like that. Yeah, and he, and, uh, and, and all, we were just talking I, about I, them yesterday. I love that. I love how Franklin knows his brothers through your stories. You keep you keep them you keep his brothers alive for him. Uh, you keep Benjamin and Samuel alive. And I also love your husband, your new husband, because he is incorporating your your other husband into your life. I mean, he gave you. There was something about birthstones, about your wedding ring. Tell me about your ring. Both both of our wedding rings are the same. Uh, we have each person's birthstone on them. Uh, Benjamin is a little circle. Uh, Bart is a square diamond, and uh, John is a bigger circle, his birthstone. Mine is a smaller square. Uh, and then there's Samuel is a small 
circle, and then once uh, we had Franklin, we added him. And so both of our wedding rings are uh, representing our total family. Bart, uh, Bart's parents are very much involved in our lives. Uh, they are Franklin's grandparents and and uh, have taken on John as a family member also. And so we're, we're very blessed to have all of them in our life. Uh, my niece and nephew on Bart's side is Franklin's godparents. Well, Jill, I want to I want to get on to tell people get this book Finding Jill How I Rebuilt My Life After Losing the Five People I Most Loved because Jill's already given you a little taste of there are so many tips, so many things that you can find in this that will help you if you've lost a spouse, if you've lost children, if you want to help a neighbor, if you've lost your mom. I mean, there are just um this book is just filled with pearls of wisdom. And um, Jill, people can get it on Amazon, I assume? You can get it on Amazon. There's also uh, other interviews I've done and some writings that I've done on my website, which is findingjill.com. There will also be, um, I do some speaking, and there's there's sites there that you can go to that will show you where I'm at and and when I'm speaking, when I'll do book signings, uh, and then what is going on with with my book and and sharing my story. Wonderful. Well, Jill, thank you so much, and thank you for being so giving and open, and um, you really are an inspiration, and you do such honor to your family. Thank Thank you you both for having me. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Heidi. Well, Heidi, Really, I'm, I'm going to—I know you don't have a copy of this book, so when I see you in New York, I'm going to bring it because there are so many great tips in here for how Jill took care of herself, and it's such an interesting and compelling story. This is such an amazing story of hope and healing, and I just really love how she is reinvested in new relationships and yet continued bonds with those that she's loved and lost. I mean, it's, a, it's an absolutely beautiful example of how she's taken everybody with her into her new life. It's, it's, she's, she really is an inspiration. She's amazing. So God bless to all of you out there who have had losses, and we hope that you will listen again next week and that you will find your life again. God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.